and uh, I'm sure that every one of us have those times. And uh, the last thing I want to do over this weekend is, is just discharge some messages that have been crafted in my office. Uh, what I want to do this weekend is just be a mouthpiece for Jesus. What I want to do this weekend, I was stood in my, uh, the home of Robert Robinson, my dear precious friend, and I just prayed as we were about to leave. I said, Lord, I want you to flow through me. Flow through me like rivers. Flow through me, Holy Ghost, in ways that I've never yet known. Flow through me and let me know the revelation and the, the power of the Most High God in, in these days. Let these be days charged with your fire and your glory and your anointing. Cause, because, friend, I want to tell you, I don't know about you. I, I'm, I, I've got enough meetings. I, the last thing I need is more meetings. What, what I believe we need is just to be absolutely drenched with the glory of God. So we remain on fire and, and sometimes the fire needs rekindling and, and sometimes we need to allow ourselves to be laid bare before God that we open our hearts and our spirit you know the things that we go through in life sometimes they can keep us away from the nearness of God and they we can put up our walls and our barriers and sometimes we just uh, drop it all down in the presence of God and in the company of his people and just allow God to bring a mighty invasion of his glory upon us. Is that the desire of your heart for this weekend? You know, as we stand in the presence of God tonight, you are already predetermined how near you will come to God by your prayer, by your faith, by your uh, uh, allowing of your heart to be drawn, by your willingness to be vulnerable, by vulnerable by by your willingness to just be totally transparent about God and say, Lord, this is where I am, but I don't want to be in this place. I want to come to a new place of refreshment with you. And that's the desire of my heart over these coming days. Does that sit good with you? Yeah, Amen. What a great cry. What a great prayer from a heart. So, Father, we uh, at the start of this weekend, we, we bow our hearts before you, yeah. the, the holy, eternal God, the only God. And we ask, oh God, that this weekend would be so significant for every one of us. We would look upon, look back on our, our spiritual walk with you in these days and say there was something dramatic happened, something so significant happened that weekend that my spiritual life rose to a whole new level. And Lord, from these days we pray that we will be more like you in our ways more like you in our character in our nature more like you in our lifestyle and more like you in our giving Lord that, that we would be absolutely sacrificial in every dimension of life and we would be men and women shaped by the power of the most high God by your word and through the move of your spirit Father forgive us Lord as we start this weekend we confess our sin before you that we've not walked in the ways we should, that we've not done the things that we should, that we've done things we shouldn't have done in our reactions, in our responses, oh God. We cry upon you for mercy, for mercy, oh God. We call upon you that ask you would have mercy upon us. Cleanse us, Lord. Renew us by the power of your spirit. Let mercy flow like rivers. Let righteousness flow like mighty streams. Lord, let your glory fill this house. And oh Lord, we open our hearts to you and we acknowledge that you are the only one that can satisfy. You're the only one that can fill us with the life flow. And so we come before you, O oh God, and ask that you will do your dynamic work in each one of us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. Amen. Please be seated. Well, praise God. I'm going to try and preach short. Because you are so good to be out with me on a Saturday evening. So thank you so much for being here. Amen. Would you like to open your Bible to Galatians chapter 3? Galatians and chapter 3. <clears throat> I just bring greetings from the fellowship where I serve. And uh, particularly from my gorgeous wife. Uh, she sends her love to you and uh, she is just something else and uh, she gets more beautiful as the days go by and uh, and we are expecting two more grandchildren so you know I am doing so well 
Are my children doing good as well? <laughs> Amen. So uh, we bring greetings and love from the fellowship. Great to have Paul with me as well. A great servant of God works alongside me in the fellowship there. And when I travel, Paul often travels with me. He's a great armor bearer and he's my bodyguard. <laughs> I'm not serious. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. I just want to highlight one verse. Paul's going to bring it up on the screen for you. And the, the key verse really, I suppose, for this weekend would be taken from this passage of Scripture, Galatians chapter 3 and verse 14. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus, so that by faith, we might receive the promise of the Spirit. Amen. Amen. So that by faith, we might receive the promise of the Spirit. Friends, you've heard me say so many times on my visits that to be filled with the Holy Ghost is normal and should be absolutely normal for every one of us who walk with God. It is impossible to live the life that God wants us and desires for us to live without being filled with the Holy Ghost. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're going to get a deluge of the Holy Ghost this weekend. Amen. And so we, we, we just want to read some more scriptures now. Let's just read some terrific text. Chapter 3 and uh, verse 25, I think. 23, that'd be better. Are you there? Hallelujah. Before this faith came, the faith by which we received the Spirit... Before this faith came, we were held prisoners by the law, locked up until faith should be revealed. So the law was put in charge to lead us to Christ, that we might be justified by faith. Now that faith has come, we are no longer under the supervision of the law. Aren't you glad that we're living in this season of faith? Aren't you glad that we're not living in Old Testament days? I don't know about you, I am. It was a bloody mess. Oh, I've shocked you. But I mean literally, with the sacrifices, with the sacrifices day after day after day after day, it, it was something that would have been abhorrent to us. And uh, it, thank God the, for the fact that we live in the, the age of faith because the blood of the perfect spotless lamb has flowed uh, and the sacrifice has been given. And now we are living in days of faith and days of the Spirit. Hallelujah. So I'm glad I'm alive, friends. Now that faith has come, we are no longer under the supervision of the law. You are all sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ. Amen. That marvelous. What a wonderful privilege to be a son of God. Hallelujah. Did you know that? As you sit on your seat today, you're a son of God. And that's you're a son, girls, because we're all of the firstborn, sons of God. Sons in faith through Jesus Christ. For all of you were baptized into Christ, have been clothed yourselves with Christ. Therefore, there is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, nor for you all are one in Christ. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to promise. Turn to your neighbor and say, you are an heir according to promise. Amen. Chapter 4 continues. What I am saying is that as long as the heir is a child, he is no different from a slave, although he owns the whole estate. He is subject to guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. So also when we were children, we were in slavery under the basic principles of the world. Turn to your neighbor and say, if you're still living by the basic principles of the world, you're living wrong. You know, we, we are not called to live by the basic principles of the world. We are called to live by the law of the spirit of life. It is the law of the spirit of life that will set us free from the law of sin and death. And so we are called to live by a different level and a different system. Hallelujah. Turn to your neighbor and say, get used to it. You will not fit into the world. So also we were, when we were children, we were in slavery under the basic principles of the world. But when the time had fully come, 
I love this. God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those under the law that we might receive the full rights of sons. Because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. The spirit who calls out, Abba, Father, so you are no longer a slave, but a son. And since you are a son, God has made you also an heir. Isn't that wonderful? I must tell you this example before I go into the main body of the message. My, my wife Miriam and I, we were in a, a carpet shop the other day, and uh, we, we happened to have our youngest granddaughter with us. And uh, you know what granddads are like? They, they build them up all day, they get them as high as a kite, and then they pass them back to mum. Uh, uh, you know, that's what granddads are for. And my little granddaughter, she calls me Papa. Now, I've got to say, I borrowed this name from my precious friend here. And I heard his little grandchildren calling him Papa, and I said to Rob, Rob, do you mind if I use that? I'm going to use that, brother. So they called me Papa. And we were in this carpet shop, and I've got to admit, my full attention was not on what my wife was looking at. Uh, uh, because I was distracted <laughs> and I was playing boo around the carpets <laughs> and getting carried away. You know, you can do it. It's fantastic. And, uh, <laughs> and everybody thinks you're normal because, you know, that's what you do with grandchildren. So here we are. I'm hiding behind all these big carpets and causing chaos. All the staff are coming out wondering what's going on. You know, you can imagine with a very subdued, quiet type of chap like I am, like I am, you know, I, I do it in a gentle way. No, no, the whole shop was in chaos. Uh, and, and I'm running around and my little granddaughter's running after me and chuckling and chuckling. Now, she's, not, she's only just beginning to learn to speak and she's sort of mixing up her syllables a little bit, a little bit like me tonight because of the anointing I'm carrying. Uh, that happens to me, by the way. And uh, so we got to this certain point and then she couldn't see me, couldn't see me. And I heard this little voice and she doesn't call me Papa yet because she's got a little bit confused. So I heard this little voice calling, Abba! 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 Now you can imagine what happened inside me when I heard that little voice calling me. I came out of my hiding place because I just wanted to hear that sound. And when she saw me, she ran towards me. Abba! 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 And I scooped her up in my arms and I, she wrapped her arms around my neck and I just held her in tight and close. And of course, you imagine what was going on in my spirit when I held my little granddaughter close to me. I was thinking of the cry of the heart. I was thinking of the cry of the spirit within every believer that in these days should be crying out, Abba, Abba, Father. And sometimes we lose that. Sometimes we let that go, that ability to just run to the Father and say, Father, you know what I'm going through. You know what I'm facing. You know what I'm walking through in life. You know my pain. You know my hurt. Or, or you know my joys. You know, we don't just turn to him when we're in times of sorrow. <laughs> that was a moment of fun for me and my little girl. And, and we were loving every moment of it. And I, I, I had a phone call uh, from my daughter. Sorry, a text, actually. She came in on text. And Paul and I were sitting on the plane just to come away. We flew late Friday night. And... and um, Rachel, my daughter, had gone back around to her home with my little granddaughter and I wasn't there and she was just wandering into every room shouting Abba, Abba, Abba and they had to go into every room and explain to her that I wasn't there and I'm thinking, oh Lord, I wish I was there because I didn't want to disappoint. I think that's how God the Father feels when, when he's longing to see us and sometimes we can go into every other room, we can go into every other place and you know, friend, he's never hiding. And we can allow that Spirit of God within us to cry out unto our Father, Abba. Amen. Well, that's the introduction. And it's not on here. Praise the Lord. So come on, Paul. Let's, let's come to the main body of this message that we want to share as a foundational message for where we're going. So friends, it is by the power of the cross that we are set free from several things. We are set free from the power of sin and Satan. Isn't that wonderful? Amen. So many Christians are taken up and with the idea that we are still controlled and still dominated by the enemy. Friend, set your heart free tonight. We have been loosed and we have been delivered. The power of sin and Satan has been broken by the power of the cross. Then the power of the law of sin and death. We are no longer living 
under that. Amen. We are living under the power of the spirit of life. That power was broken from us. And the only way he can put these things back on us is if we believe the lie or accept the deception. Uh, we have been loosed from these things. They no longer have control and dominion over us. We were held bound by the principles of the world. We were held in slavery. But now we have become sons of the Most High God. Hallelujah. And heirs of promise. We've been delivered by the, from the power of the self-life. That's the flesh. And I want to say to you, you know, most of the time, friends, our battle is often in the spirit with the flesh because we are strong characters aren't we I don't know if you've noticed that about yourself but you know you usually know what you want and where you want to go uh, and uh, to be brought to the place where we abandon how we abandon our will and we abandon our purpose and and here's the big one isn't it especially in today's crazy topics we abandon our destiny to God and say, Lord, I want only what you want. Forget my destiny. I only want what you want. So I submit my will to the Father just as Jesus did. And it may not be an easy path. It certainly wasn't for Jesus, and as you would have shown and demonstrated last weekend. But thanks be to God, we've been set free. And then, of course, we've been set free from the power of the world. You know, the world can only bring its influences upon us if we allow it to happen. And we have to be strong against these things. So the word makes it plain that it is the redemptive work of the cross that makes the coming of the Spirit of God into our lives possible. If it wasn't for the cross, if it wasn't for the resurrection, if it wasn't for the ascension, then the Holy Ghost would not have been able to come. It took these events in the life of Jesus to make it possible for you and I as humanity to receive the Holy Spirit into our lives. And when you actually analyze and study and look at that verse of Scripture that was the key text we put up earlier, he redeemed us in order that the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Jesus Christ so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. Even back when the Father in the faith set off from where he was on his journey, the whole purpose was for you and I that he might Bring us to this place where we might receive the promise of the Spirit. Hallelujah. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, how's your spirit level? Praise the Lord. Oh, glory. How much we need to be men and women that are daily filled with the Holy Ghost. I've got to say to you, friend, it's the only ingredient that will make the difference in your spiritual life. There's no other. God's got no other plan. God's got no other plan other than that you are filled with the Holy Ghost. So I want to begin by asking two questions and not going to spend much time on the first one, a major on the second one. The first question is, what is the redemptive work of the cross? And secondly, why was the work of redemption necessary in order for God to be able to put his spirit into us? And so we know that the word redemptive means to buy back that which was lost. Amen. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. That's a result of the redemptive work of the cross. You are not your own. You were bought with a price. You know, so wonderful. You can talk to me, you know. You've gone all quiet. Get Pentecostal. Did you know you can be Pentecostal on a Saturday? <laughs> Amen. Glory to God. So it is by the blood of Jesus Christ shed upon the cross that God purchased our deliverance from sin, death, hell, and Satan. I mean, you can rejoice in that every day, friend. I've learned some great keys in my life. I wake every day. And I thank God for his amazing freedom and liberty and deliverance in my life. And I speak it out through my mouth. Hallelujah. I wake up and say, oh God, glory to God. Wonderful. It's another day. And I'm going to live it for you. Thank you for your salvation. Thank you for your deliverance. If you haven't got there, friend, you've got to get there. Learn how to use your tongue in declaration. So we were bought back and set free by the blood of Jesus. By the blood of Jesus upon the cross, we were delivered from guilt and the power of sin. 
by forgiveness. It took God expressing forgiveness for us. Jesus died upon the cross that we may be forgiven. Do you understand that? He didn't just pay the price. He died upon the cross so we could be forgiven. Amen. And an awful lot of people don't know how to receive forgiveness. A lot of people don't know how to receive forgiveness at the level where they are set free. And you must know how to receive the mercy and the forgiveness of God. If you've received, if you've applied the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ by the confession of your faith, if you've repented of your sin, you have been forgiven, but you must receive the forgiveness. See, knowing you're forgiven in your head and acceptance of the forgiveness in your heart can be a different thing. And so you must forgive yourself. You must accept the forgiveness of God. Amen. And when you accept the forgiveness of God, you realize that you're not guilty. <laughs> Turn to your neighbor and say, if you're forgiven, you're not guilty. I want to tell you uh, something this week. This is private and confidential in a public meeting. Is that all right? Just over the last few weeks, something went pear-shaped in a relationship that I have with someone in the church. And, uh, you know, it happens when you're in the pastoral ministry. And uh, I can honestly say with integrity before God that I, I hadn't done anything wrong at all. And uh, I just wept when I heard what was being said. And my phone was hot with, with texts that were absolutely abusive and venomous. And, you know, you would think I was Satan himself, Pastor Dave. And <laughs> Hell, Have you ever been there, brother? <laughs> Christians are so beautiful, aren't they? <laughs> uh, and, uh, you know, it was hot stuff. You think, Pastor Paul, did that happen to you? Yes. So, you know, this was what was going on. And, uh, uh, you know, in the, natural, in the natural, you could easily feel like, you know, having a pop. Uh, 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 but in the spirit, you know that you operate with a different uh, way of, of, of life and, uh, and the way that you move in the spirit is, is just means that you operate totally different. So I, I was just sending some text back saying, oh, the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face to shine upon you and give you his peace. <laughs> and I, I, I tell you the word, the word, oh, it was so hard. <laughs> I tell you. <laughs> But I just declared love over this guy. And, uh, uh, you know, I just said, I'm praying for you and your family. I pray God will bless you. Can I take you out for a Korean? <laughs> and, and all the things that, you know, pastors really would love to do and to see a transformation in their heart. And, uh, you know, this went on for about a fortnight. And eventually uh, it got very, very nasty and uh, threatened in court and all the whole stuff that you can go through. You know, we live in a very dangerous world for pastors. I hope you know that. You've got to keep praying for this guy. Drench him in love and drench him in prayer and support him because it's a dangerous time for pastors and ministry that keep preaching truth. You know, it really, really is. And it's going to get worse. It's going to get worse. And there will come a day, there will come a day in our nation, unless we see revival when we stand on platforms and we are making statements that are Ill illegal to make in our land. But we will not stop. We will not stop. We, we will not stop. We will not. We'll keep preaching and preaching and declaring the truth of God. So eventually that's how it went. But I just brought it to God and I said, Lord, you know, I hand this over to you. I just release this over to you. And I, when I said that, I said, Lord, I was forgiven, so I forgive this guy. And I just sent a text that said, so-and-so, I said, I just forgive you in Jesus' name, and I release you. And uh, nothing all weekend came. And I was in Yorkshire just this last week caring for my mother, who's had a massive stroke, and um, with with my family. And then... Uh, just before we set off to come back, I received a text saying, Pastor, how could I ever ask you to forgive me? And he said, I feel absolutely terrible for what I've done and what I've said. And uh, I just sent a text back saying, I said, you are forgiven. I forgive you in Jesus' name. I said, come and see me when I come back. And that was where we are at the moment. And, you know, a lot of people 
he might struggle receiving that forgiveness because of damage that can be done. And uh, I'm just sharing that with you. It's a real live, up-to-date example of how we all must operate in forgiveness because we can all hurt people and there may well have been some things in me that were wrong. Uh, but the bottom line is we have to forgive and we have to know how to be forgiven and we have to forgive. And this is the power of the cross at work in our lives is that we have been forgiven and we're not guilty. And that also enables us and demands that we forgive one another as well. So power of sin forgiven and sanctification there set apart for God. And then let's come to the main body of the message tonight. Why was the work of redemption necessary in order for God to put his spirit in his, in us? This is a terrific thing, friends. And, you know, I hope that you'll grasp this and let it work in your heart. The first thing I want to talk about is this. God cannot put his spirit in dirty vessels. God cannot. He won't put his spirit in dirty vessels. And I think to understand this, we have to uh, grasp some insight into how holy and how pure God is. And I think this has come to me with fresh revelation over the last few weeks. I just want to bring this wonderful text up. 1 Timothy 6, 15 and 16. God, the blessed and only ruler, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, who alone is immortal and who lives in unapproachable light, whom no one has seen or can see. And when you look at a text like that, which is a description of our God, you would think, how could we ever approach a God like that. He is in unapproachable light and he's unapproachable for us unless we come through the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. But as we come through the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ, we'll come to see through this message that we are able to approach God with confidence. What a transformation from Old Testament uh, to where we are today, that we can approach God through the Lord Jesus Christ. You remember in the Old Testament times when God called Moses and uh, God had to manifest himself, as it were, in a burning bush. God just couldn't turn up and say to Moses, here I am, because uh, Moses' life would have been just consumed. His, his breath would have been taken away. He would have been unable to be in the presence of God. So God purposely just manifests himself in the burning bush. And that's why when Moses approached the burning bush, we hear God say to Moses, take off your shoes, because the very ground upon which you are standing is holy ground. And, and God spoke from the bush. The bush wasn't consumed, but if he'd turned up in all his glory, then Moses' life would have been taken out. And then, of course, that experience for Moses, Moses hid his face from God, afraid. And then you remember the vision of Isaiah when he saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and exalted, and he heard the angels calling to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. The whole earth is full of his glory. And holy means to be free from all defilement. There is no corruption in God. There is absolute holiness. He is absolutely holy and absolutely pure. When we talk about God like that, we don't, you know, God is love. We don't think, well, there's an aspect of God that is love, and then there's an aspect of God that is holy, then there's an aspect of God that is righteous, and then there's an aspect of God, all his attributes that we read about. It, God is not made up like that. No, he is love. He is holy. He is righteousness. He is pure. Whole. Whole. And so when we talk about the holiness of God and how awesome that really is, he is absolutely holy. I wish I'd written this next saying, but I didn't. The pure light of God's holiness reveals the blackness of our sin. And that's the first thing that happens when we come before a holy God, or it should do. And friends, I want to say this to us, because especially in sometimes in Pentecostal circles, we, we get so comfortable with just coming in and singing our songs and sitting on our seats and raising our hands and speaking our tongues that we've had the same language for 40 years. 
And we've been speaking it so often, it's habitual instead of, you know, creative and fresh and, and new from the Holy Ghost. Turn to your neighbor and say, you can speak in a new tongue, you know. <laughs> Amen. You can speak in a different tongue. You can ask God for a new language. You know, get creative and, and because God is so fresh. And, and sometimes we just come in and we sit down and, and we go through it. And here we are in the presence of the Holy God. How awesome that really is. Of course, the hymn writer caught it when he penned the words, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, perfect in power and purity. Wonderful. Awesome. Can't beat some of the good old hymns, you know. Never throw it away. It's awesome. I love the new stuff, but... God, there isn't have some fantastic words in them hymns. Theology. You can only sing about the surface love of Jesus for so long, you know. And it's sometimes good to come to a deeper place. <laughs> it really is. Oh, glory to God. Mm. So friends, I'm asking God that over this weekend that we would have a fresh revelation of the holiness of God. Because I believe as we allow the work of the cross to uh, continue in us, and, and I want to emphasize that statement tonight to say that, you know, the work of the cross is not just a one-off experience when we are first born again. We don't just come to the cross, acknowledge our sin, receive forgiveness, be set free from guilt, be sanctified in the sense that we are set apart for God and know that he will have that ongoing work of sanctification in our lives and then that's it. The work of the cross is a deep ongoing experience as I continue to bring my life and my spirit and my mind and my heart undo that work. And, and that's what Paul was speaking of when he spoke about daily dying for Christ. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. He was actually referring to the ongoing work of crucifixion, the ongoing work of the, the, the surrendering of the flesh, the ongoing work of the surrendering of self. And I honestly believe, I'm persuaded that, that it takes that for us to be living by the power of the Spirit. It takes the work of the cross, not just in my initial experience of God, but in my ongoing experience of God. And every one of us who allows the power of the cross to work deep in our lives, the first thing we will become conscious of is we become more conscious of our own unworthiness. We become conscious of our filthiness. The filthy rags. But we become conscious of the absolute holiness and purity of God. And this is seen in Isaiah's reaction when he's brought to this incredible place of, as a prophetic vision that happens. Look at his reaction when he sees the Lord high and, high and exalted upon the throne. Look at what he says, woe is me, I am ruined for I am a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips. And let me remind you of the scripture that says we are not made unclean by what comes in but we are made unclean by what comes out. Our thoughts, our reactions, our words. That was his experience. And then, of course, then there's that, in the same chapter, you remember, there's that great image of, of cleansing where the angel of glory uh, leaves the throne room, the altar, and takes a live coal from the fire. And what does he do? do he touches the mouth. He touches the lips of Isaiah. And then the voice of God comes and says, look, I have taken away your guilt and your sin is atoned for. And of course, that was a, a shadow, if you like, a type of the work of Jesus and the work of the Spirit of God within us. And so, friends, the nearer we come, the closer we come, the more intimate we come through the work of the cross, to the holiness of God, the reverence we have, the deepening work of God in us, 
the more conscious we become of our own need, but the more conscious we will become of the power of the cross. Only by the power of the cross can we approach God. Hallelujah. What an honor, friends. What an honor. What a privilege that in our mess and our inability to do anything about our own state, God in his mercy says, come towards me. Don't hide behind the carpets. Run out and call Abba. Let me hear you cry, son. I want to hear you right from where you are. You say, Dad, I'm a prodigal. I'm far away from you. I've allowed all the things of life to dominate me, control me, mess me up. And I've, I, I just, I'm not worthy of anything. What an image. Father, I don't deserve anything. Just treat me like one of your servants. <laughs> and then the father said, my son who was lost has been found. Let's have a party. Wow. That's the mercy of God. That's the mercy of God. Maybe you'd like to turn to your neighbor and say, when did you last call out Abba? Amen. I've been coming long enough, I don't have to do anything. <laughs> Martin, you are a sound man. <laughs> Glory to God. <laughs> Woo! Don't you love Jesus? Oh, glory. I want to warn you. I want to warn you. I really want to warn you. My legs are absolutely gone. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Wonderful Savior. Mm. Isn't the word amazing? Mm. Yes, hallelujah. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> 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 Hallelujah. <laughs> yes, they can do it a lot easier than those you say. <laughs> that was the Holy Ghost, you know. Yes. Glory to God. Yes. I experienced the same with my little girlies who are driving along in the car, it's in the back seat, and I'm having time I praise. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. <laughs> Just two. <laughs> Glory to God. Isn't that wonderful? Folks, turn with me quickly to John's Gospel, chapter 2. Is this doing you good? Amen. Just want to show us something here. This is a prophetic miracle. Uh, and it's the first miracle that Jesus performed. And it was the occasion of a wedding, as you know. And John's gospel, you will recall, is built around seven signs. And uh, this is the first sign. And there is so much more in this than just uh, the fact that Jesus turned up at a wedding and turned water in, into wine. Of course, you know that. And so let's read about it together. On the third day, uh, the third day is not coincidence, by the way. On the third day, a wedding took place at Canaan in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. Dear woman, that was a wonderful, affectionate term. Why do you involve me? Jesus replied, My time has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Look at that. Do whatever he tells you. What a great place to be. Mm. Do whatever he tells you. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding for 
from 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so, and the master of the banquet tasted the water they had, it had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants had, who had drawn the wine water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, Everyone brings out the choice wine first and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best till now. Amen. Wonderful. I want to tell you, friends, that uh, the wine was gone. The reason why the wine had gone and the miracle was necessary is because Jesus is pointing to the time in which we live. Jesus is saying that the time of the law was over. The, the, the old wine skin was no longer going to be able to hold the wine that was to come. The capacity to receive from God was going to increase and intensify. It was going to move from the outside to the inside. And the days of law were over. And uh, this great wisdom of Mary is seen in saying do everything he tells you to do because we would be coming into an age when every believer would be filled with the wine of the spirit to capacity to the brim and we would be men and women who would live like this that we would do everything he tells us to do and then the six jars as you know they were for ceremonial cleansing for the washing all oh, the, the the rituals and uh, the rites that had to be gone through to come into the even the outer courts you know imagine you wouldn't be able to just arrive late you know and just drift in we'd have had to have some big jars down at the front of that uh, entrance Pastor Dave, and we'd have had to go through ceremonies and rituals and we'd have had to approach in a certain manner and if we'd approached in a wrong manner or, or, or in a wrong way, we, we could have lost our lives. And of course, these people were cleansed. They had to be cleansed, washed in order to be included in the banquet, clean, ready to eat the food. What a tremendous shadow of a banquet that one day will take place. Hallelujah. Isn't that wonderful? Are you looking forward to that? I'm looking forward to that. Isn't that going to be wonderful? Glorious day. Imagine that sitting at the banqueting table of the marriage supper of the Lamb. Hallelujah. What a day. What a feast it will be. Amen. I think Jesus will lay back and say, eat ye all of it. <laughs> Some of your guys this afternoon definitely did that. <laughs> Amen. I didn't. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So how wonderful it is that the days of the old jar were over. The days of the old law were over. And God was instead of uh, putting uh, you know, his wine in external jars, but he was going to put it in jars of clay. And the water of the law would be turned into the wine of the Spirit. Fill them to the brim. Now take it to the banqueting master. Of course, you know the rest of the story. Jesus turned the water into wine. And it's amazing to see that they say, you saved the best wine till now. I'm glad they didn't say, save the best wine till last. They said, you saved the best wine till now. Because every moment can be the best wine now. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Turn to your neighbor and say, we want this weekend to be the best wine now. Hallelujah. Don't we, friends? Don't we? Filled with the best wine now. Not tomorrow, but filled with the best wine now. And I think that's a powerful word from God, that that's how God moves the moment I come to him. That is my now moment for receiving the best wine. Of course, it's not coincidental that uh, Jesus in that same chapter in John, he, he then went on to cleanse the temple. Look at this moment. I'm not going to be Samson. But he went on to cleanse the temple 
And then in, in chapter 3, he met the religious uh, leader, Nicodemus, and said to him, you must be born again. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but spirit gives birth to spirit. And it all began with that miraculous sign pointing to the day in which you and I are now living. So it was a transforming miracle, water into wine. Then secondly, I want to just talk about this very briefly. Friends, how wonderful it is that we are covered by the power of the blood, cleansed by the power of the word, and filled with the power of the Spirit. We're just going to quickly look at some scriptures. Come with me to Ephesians chapter 5. You know, the Word of God can do the talking much better than I can. So let's just read some terrific text together. And I'm going to start part way through because I'm not actually looking at the whole passage, but um, the wives will be thrilled that I'm reading this tonight. Are you there? Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Why did Christ give himself up for her, the bride? Here's the answer. To make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle. How many of you tonight would be thrilled to have no wrinkles? Sorry, sorry. <laughs> we all would. Praise the Lord. Without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. And so we can see that a holy God, who is absolutely holy, is preparing for himself a bride who is absolutely holy, not because she's achieved that herself, but because the very holiness of God has been applied and is now living in his people by his spirit. How wonderful. And then 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verses 6 to 7. So in keeping with this message tonight, for God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Isn't it incredible how that links so strongly with Moses because Moses hid his face from God. Whereas here, we can look at the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So we see the intermediary work. We see the redemptive work again in action here because we can look at the face of God. We can look at the face of Jesus without fear. And then about the jars of clay here in verse 7. But we have this treasure, Jesus, in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing Power is from God and not from us. Hallelujah. Amen. Turn to your name and say, God is still filling jars to the brim. Hallelujah. <laughs> Isn't that wonderful? He's still filling jars to the brim. But friends, how important it is that we know the release. You'll know if you go to John's Gospel, chapter 4, you will read of the experience of the woman at the well. And as the woman came to the well, Jesus said, can I have water? She said, how can you ask me for water? Of course, she was under law, religion, that had bound her. And the lifestyle she lived was an unholy lifestyle. And Jesus said to her, if you knew who it was that asked you for water, you would ask him for a drink and he would cause the river of life to rise within you that would well up to eternal life. She said, I want this water. Hallelujah. All of it pointing to the fact that there is coming a day through the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ when the old order of things, when the old ceremonial way, when the old law would be finished and the law of the Spirit. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I'm going to preach you awake tonight. The law of the Spirit would be activated inside the jars of clay. But we have this treasure 
in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. And I want to take you to Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4. Are you there? Speed up. <laughs> Are we ready? How incredible the power of the word is. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, flesh and spirit. There is a separation in us. Did you know that? The separation is that God, by the work of the cross, he has dealt with the power of the flesh if we submit to it. And the power of the Spirit comes alive. Dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow, it judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. You can't hide. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For if we do not have a high priest who is unable, so we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. Then here it is, look at this. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Friends, the miracle is that our God is still the same holy, awesome God as he always was. But because of the power of the blood of Jesus and the repentant work in our lives, we can approach the throne of grace with confidence. Friends, I don't far, know how far away you are. I believe I'm speaking to somebody in particular tonight by the Spirit of God. I don't know how far away you are. But I believe you've allowed the things of life to become like a crowd in your heart and a crowd in your mind. And you almost think I've just lost, I think I've lost so much ground. And my life is swamped with busyness and it's all about surviving. But if you would come, say, Lord, I got it wrong. I made a wrong turn. If you turn again, then tonight God would say you can approach the throne of grace with confidence. He will not, re he will not push you away, but he will bring you in and bless you with his mercy, his forgiveness and cleansing. Do you know the way to survive? And God's not just about surviving. But the way that we come through in the world is to hand our life over fully unto God and let him be in control. Turn to your neighbor and say, who's in charge? How wonderful it is then, friends, that although we approach the throne of grace with confidence, we are conscious of our sin, but we are conscious of the holiness and the purity of God. And we can come right in. There's an incredible text from Isaiah 57. Listen to what it says. Because this is the heart of the Father. Friends, you know, I've learned something that is an absolute key to my walk with God. God's not so much bothered about my head. But he's very bothered about my heart. I've learned something. I'll never have my theology all just right. But I need my heart just right. If I allow God to keep my heart right and if I submit to him in my spirit, God will sort my head out. But he wants my heart. And every day I seek to live, I say, Lord, I surrender my heart to you. I want my heart right with you. And that means walking right with people as well. Did you know that? That's not easy to do. Because you will stunt the anointing and your effectiveness if you're not right with people. So we've got to be right with people as well as the Lord. So this is what he says, one incredible verse that really is. For this is what the high and lofty one says, who he lives forever and whose name is holy. I live in a high and holy place, but also, hallelujah, isn't that wonderful? 
Hallelujah. <laughs> but also, thank God for the also. <laughs> but also with him who is contrite and lowly, humble in spirit, to revive the spirit of the lowly and revive the contrite heart. Life was gone. You were dead in your sin, but the Spirit of God revives. Amen. Do you know that word revive there? It, it, it speaks of being quickened. That's a lovely word, isn't it? Quickened. And they tell me, I've never experienced it, never will, but when the child is in the womb, there is a moment when the Spirit quickens life. How wonderful. And it's a spiritual example for us tonight that the Spirit of God can come and quicken again. He can come and quicken again. Amen. Some of us need a, a, a shock in our spirit. And you know, if we allow it to happen, then the Spirit of God will come and He will bring us into that place that we can approach with confidence and a heart right with God. One final point, and really the final point is just a conclusion. The power of the Spirit enables us to live a holy life unto God. Did you know your, temp your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? Isn't that wonderful? The Holy Spirit is in you, whom you've received from God. You are not your own. You were bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. You know as well, you don't need me to teach you this. You're in a powerful church and you have been taught by a terrific pastor. But you know, there was a time of thinking in the minds of people in the early church and in that generation when they thought that as long as your spirit was right, it didn't matter what you did with your body. And forgive me for saying it, but there was a time when, when people thought there was no problem with going and sleeping with a temple prostitute and, uh, and then in the next breath you're back in the temple of God. Of course, it's, it's, it's actually a real life example of how dangerous it is for us. Now that we know we are the temple of God, it matters greatly what we do in the body. Therefore, honor God with your body. And then the next text, 2 Corinthians 6.14, there's a whole passage there you could read when you get home. just says, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. Powerful. Hmm. I want to close with Hebrews chapter 10. Just turn to Hebrews chapter 10. I'm really just laying a foundation for where we're going tomorrow, friends. And appreciate your attention and being willing to be here. Hebrews chapter 10. Look at verse 19. We'll just condense it down. Verse 19. Are you there? Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain, that is his body. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Hallelujah. Oh, church, how much we need to be men and women that hold unswervingly to the hope and the things that we know. You know, inside your heart and your mind and your spirit, there is a knowledge that is so precious, the knowledge of God. What a privilege and an honor we have to know that by the work of the cross, we can just come in approach the throne of grace with confidence, knowing we will meet with God. But as we come, let's never lose the ability 
to be conscious of our unworthiness and yet totally aware of his love and acceptance. Let's be aware of his cleansing power. Let's allow the work of the cross in this weekend to do a deep work in us. And let's ask God to fill us to the brim and overflowing with the power of the Holy Ghost, the new wine. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together, church. Blessed be your name. Why don't you just stand and lift your heart unto God right now? Maybe you want to lift your hands and just allow his peace to wash over you. Oh, hallelujah. We worship you, Savior. We worship you, Savior. Why don't you just tell him tonight? Don't use language you use all the time. Just tell him from your heart. Tell him from your heart, friend. Maybe tonight you want to confess something. Maybe tonight you want to put something right. Maybe you want to make a decision to forgive somebody. Maybe you're just going to get released from some hurt and pain tonight. Oh, glory to God. Spirit of God, we worship you, Jesus. Oh, glory. Hallelujah. Father, we magnify you. I worship you, Jesus. Oh, glory to God. Oh, let's see you. Finimesora. I worship you, Jesus. Draw near to God by faith, and he will draw near unto you. He is not far from you. He is closer to you than a brother. Hallelujah. Master, I magnify you. Andiliano si Friends, why don't we just link our hands together? Link our hands together. Lord Jesus. We unite together in heart and spirit, Lord. We ask, O oh God, for an open heaven over this place this weekend. We ask for a deluge of your glory. We ask for signs and wonders, Lord. We ask for freedom. We ask for deliverance. We ask for healings. Healing in the mind, healing in the soul, healing in the body, healing in the spirit, Lord. Set captives free, O oh God. Heal families, heal marriages, heal children, O oh God. Let the blanket of your glory descend upon us. Come on, church, let's arise in our faith. Oh, hallelujah. Approach the throne of grace with confidence now. Let the fire of the Holy Ghost come upon you. Oh, hallelujah. We cry, holy, holy. Holy is the Lord. Holy is the Lord. Fill this house, Lord, with your fire. Fill this house with your glory. Fill this place with the power of the Most High God. Overshadow us, O oh God. Let these young men and women catch a new fire for you, God. Oh, la masia la mahoda antia neta yasaladendo atakarala la masaladia. We prophesy, O oh God, into this weekend. We thank you, Father, that will be a deluge of revival fire. We thank you for the prophetic flow. We thank you for the water of life. We thank you for the wine of the Spirit. Let the wine overflow, O oh God. Fill us to capacity. Fill us to the brim. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh.
Nia Salaborone Nelenaya Oh Isimo da Seleare Hallelujah Oh Jesus Oh Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Oh, Rosina. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Would you like to just open your eyes, release your hands? Just turn to somebody near you and maybe take hold of both hands. We're going to pray for each other. Amen. If you want to do that, just take hold of somebody. Don't leave anybody on the outside. Don't matter if you're in the threes. Turn to each other. We're going to pray. I'm going to tell you what to say, so don't be frightened. Okay. Don't be frightened. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory, 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 glory. Glory, glory, glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just pray this prayer with me, Father, in the name of Jesus. I lay my hands upon your friends, your brothers, your sons, and I declare that the jar shall be filled. Thank you for a new day. Thank you for a day of fire. Now, Lord, we thank you for this weekend. We thank you for the power of the cross. We're going to use this weekend, Lord, to approach the throne of grace with confidence, aware of our unworthiness, aware of your holiness, but more aware of your grace. Now, Father, as we approach in a time of need, we know we shall find mercy. So, Father, over this weekend, help me increase my faith. Enable me to just do everything you say and fill me to capacity. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Bless you. Thank you, Paul, for bringing something fresh. He always brings something fresh, doesn't he? Come.